Poppins. Is he cool? Hell yeah, he's cool. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all! Alright, uh, welcome back. We are back to Now Talk Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Kearney is going to be more involved in this discussion now. So, uh, let's go off of impressions on this rewatch. Kearney, what did you think? Um, I was not disappointed. Really enjoyed it again. Maybe want to watch more Marvel movies. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I'm in agreement with you there. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll let JJ and Will go and then I'll share my thoughts on the rewatch. So this rewatch just reaffirmed how much I don't like this movie. Um, I, it's not, it's just not for me. I, I really see why some people like it, but this type of humor is not for me. Um, it's one of, if not my least favorite Marvel movie, because it took all the things I didn't like about Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and made them worse. Um, and I'll get more into that later, but. All right, well. Rookie, I tried, but I really did try. Oh my goodness, it, it, it was really hard to sit through a second rewatch of it. For the one thing that I was looking forward to the most in the movie to rewatch, it was so difficult to bear through the rest of it just for the one for the one aspect of the movie that I liked. Alright. Yeah. We'll get to yeah. it. I think there's some really funny lines, but we'll get to that as we talk about the characters. Um, yeah. And then some not-so-funny lines that age pretty poorly, but... <laughs> um, okay, my impressions... I I honestly like this movie every time I rewatch it, just like the first one. I think the first one is still ranked higher for me, but I think it's because it captured that magic that everybody thought Guardians was going to flop, um, but it didn't. And, you know, but the second one really does good things with character development um, compared, like, characters that didn't get as much in the first one, like Yondu and Nebula, they get more in this movie. Um, and... So I, I still enjoy it. I still s enjoy some quotes and then some quotes do fall a little flat for me, but not like, not to the level that Will and JJ are where I'm disappointed. I still really just do enjoy this movie, but all right, so let's get into the cast. We got a lot of people to get through. Let's start with my boy, uh, Chris Pratt as Star-Lord. Um, I really like his character arc in this movie and here you really like you got to see a little bit of the conflict within him with his mom in the first one here you really get to see how emotionally uh conflicted Star-Lord is um throughout the movie um especially you get to see, see a lot more of Chris Pratt's like acting ability with his emotions and I think I think that it's a huge plus for this movie the the way they have Star-Lord in it so so, <laughs> I don't like, I don't like Star-Lord. I really don't. Rip. Um, like, uh... What? Yeah, rip. If this was a person I knew in real life, I would not have to hang out with him. Wow. <laughs> jack your shit, but, like, other than that, I don't know. That being said, I think Chris Pratt plays this character really well. Um, he's very much a believable human. He's just, like, this kind of, like, douchey class clown type character. Um, and he feels the most, not the most realistic, because I like 
Gamora a bit more in terms of that, but he is, he is a pretty realistic personality. Um, so, like, even though I don't like him, um, I, I like the character. Uh, I think the character is done well. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I've always just connected with... I, I see myself, in terms of, like, I guess emotions, I connect with Star-Lord a little bit in that sense, but then I probably lean more towards being, like, Peter Parker, so... After JJ just gets done calling him, like, dude, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I see myself in Star-Lord. Not, not, not that part of it, but, I mean, I, I would see myself more as Peter Parker type, but... Yeah, I mean, like, he, he's a womanizer, um, he makes, he, he's kind of narcissistic. Yeah. Um, True. And, like, he and Rocket, the way that they interact with one another, um, like, but, like, that being said, Jake, you have a lot of good qualities, I don't feel the same way about you as we do. No, I know, I, <laughs> listen, I like Chris Pratt, and maybe it's just, I like some of the depth that he brings, like, particularly in this movie, brings to the character, but I would say that I'm more like Peter Parker, Tom Holland's Peter Parker, than Star-Lord personality-wise and everything, so, all right. I imagine you like the free spirit aspect and, like, the family thing, yeah. which is, like, not so much the douchey, I wouldn't say frat boy, but I don't know. Yeah, well, I also I also grew up in a family of smart asses, so I I I get Chris Pratt's humor and like how what he brings to his characters more because of like my dad and my brother. So, um, but yeah, uh, Kearney and Will, you guys can share your thoughts. We fucking stand Chris Pratt in this household. <laughs> the only way I would have liked him in this movie more is if Aubrey Plaza was Gamora, but Parks um, and Rec wasn't in the cards and probably would would not be a great fit <laughs> yeah yeah I, know, I i don't get not liking starlight i thought this is like a pretty universally liked guy but i mean up until infinity war but <laughs> yeah what, did people not like him in that movie well once he hit thanos but that's unfortunately people then turned against that's him of Wars. We later. yeah well i'm gonna yeah. defend that when it gets to it but all right, well, you can talk about Star-Lord. So, I really wanted to like Star-Lord more. I think what it was was just the type of humor that just engulfed this movie. It ruined a lot of what would have won me over for Star-Lord. I really liked that storyline that they were playing up because like, from the very moment Star-Lord's introduced, you know how important his mother is. And mm-hmm. for this to be like the main catalyst, like the main catalyst, the main, the main driving force of his character arc in this movie, you know, just we're back at it again, but we're diving deeper into it. The amount of humor that's in, that just swallows this movie, it ruins it for me, person. Mm-hmm. Because then I'm just like, he's still the same, like, doofus. Like, he's still the same doofus from the first movie, who practically got lucky that Ronan was dumb enough to just. That he was just as mind blown as the rest of us that this dude just started dancing. Like he got lucky. <laughs> but anyways, I really wanted to like him, but I think just the environment that they built and the atmosphere really overshadowed like what could have been a great arc for him. And then forever from then on, it was his character ruined just just was ruined for me, even mm. in future uh, movies. 
But Chris Pratt, you know, Chris Pratt, still good actor. I'm not saying he did a bad job. I just think he wasn't given enough room to show that he is more than just this funny, witty, douchey asshole, you know, kind of person. I think the movie snuffed his uh, ability to grow and show what he can do as an actor. I guess, in a way, like, I... I don't know. It's kind of like, I think maybe they could have leaned more, if anything, leaned a little more into the emotional aspect that, you know, the conflict that's going on within him. But, I don't know. I still... I still greatly enjoy Chris Pratt in these movies. I... But, um... Yeah, so we'll move on because we still got a lot to get to. Zoe Saldana is Gamora. Um, Gamora gets a little more development here with, you know, dealing with Nebula and their sister relationship comes uh, up more and they become more like sisters. Um, I, I still like Gamora. I like Gamora kind of just like, I like her in these two movies of just like, the guys make really dumb jokes and she's just kind of like, why am I dealing with these idiots? And it's just kind of like, I think it's perfect. Like, that's her role with the team is just to be like, kind of that foil to all the stupidity that's happening as well. So. Yeah, like I said before, uh, Gamora's the most human alien character, and I know they're aliens, I get mm-hmm. that, but like we talked about in Civil War, um, there's only so alien you can make a character before they're uninteresting because people can't connect with them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. uh, and like emotionally, Gamora, I like the relationship that they explore with her and Nebula. Um, I really like Gamora's character development in this movie. Mm-hmm. Kearney? Yeah, I thought she was great um he definitely is like the one the straight man Mm -hmm. if you will in the group and i don't know i like the dynamic between her and star lord yeah like the unspoken thing yes which is definitely there but it's also you know as much as she um tries to dodge away from it like it's shown multiple like numerous times that even if they're not like dating they're still family and that i don't know she always despite the fact that um she seems really cold. She always cares about the interest of the group and, like, would definitely lay down her own life to save everybody, and that goes with the theme of, like, family that these movies have. Right. I really enjoy. Yeah. Agreed. Well? I got no complaints for Gamora. Gamora was one of my favorites in First Guardian. Um, she shows up well in this one. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's an aspect that I really do like in this movie. I'm always a fan mm-hmm. of Yeah. For sure. Um, I know Will's not going to like this next character because he's already said it. Uh, Let's talk Bradley Cooper as Rocket Raccoon. Um, And Rocket throughout this movie is an asshole. Um, But by the end of the movie, his interactions with Yondu make him better. And Yondu really gets him. We see that shown through the movie when they're together. And then Rocket really, you know... he comes to be understood by the rest of the team by the end of the movie, and we see that he becomes more of, like, this dad to Groot. So, I I don't know, I like Rocket, but I also understand why people wouldn't, because he is just kind of a jerk throughout most of this movie. I'll defer to Kearney first. Yeah, Kearney, you can go. Yeah, well, um, 
One of the things that kind of caught me off guard when I was watching this was the dynamic between him and Yondu, which I thought was really solid mm-hmm. and, like, accurate. Because he is, um, he's the character who's the most, like, I don't give a fuck, I'll do whatever, I don't care about these people, but, like, anyone who's in that group knows that that's horseshit. And, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I understand that this movie in particular really dialed up, like, the in-your-face kind of humor, where they're just... There's that whole scene where he's, like, laughing at Taserface, and I was kind of like, all right, can we get on with this shit? Like, yeah, that's this, true. This is probably funnier in a theater, but that's just because everyone else is laughing at this joke. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I thought everybody, like, liked Rocket way too much in the first movie. Like, he was the flagship character for some reason, and I, I don't know. I enjoy him. I like that scene where he has, like, just football fields full of like booby traps and mines and shit and that is just a cool crashes scene. hundreds of guards yeah that was epic so i don't know i i enjoyed him i don't have much of an issue although i i get that the humor is like a bit more in your face than it should be and yeah. i'm sure that's where you guys are gonna go with your next point yeah uh jj <laughs> i liked rocket a lot more in the first movie um i did like the relationship between rocket and yondu but by the point they got around to that, he had been too much of a jerk for too long for me to really care about him being redeemed. Mm-hmm. And for as long as the Guardians have been together at this point, it feels like some of that should have worn off. Like, he can be an asshole to everyone else, but at least somewhat he should be better with Quill. So I, I really didn't like Rocket in this movie. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I'm just... Let, let's, uh, let me just say it. So, first movie, it was asshole, asshole, asshole. Oh, not as much. He's troubled. We understand him more. That's that arc. Second one, we got it again. Asshole, asshole, asshole. Not as much of an asshole as you thought. Same arc, different movie. That kind of bugged me, honestly. I do really like his relationship with Groot, honestly. The first one, I really liked the two together. That was cool. I like that in the first one. I like it again in this one. Him with Yondu. It was, an, it was okay, but like JJ said, it was at a point now where I was just so sick of it already. Because, like, it literally felt like he was, like... I mean, he's not the only character that felt like this. We'll get to the other one later, sadly. But he, it was just, like, with the amount of time they've been together, like, uh, Kearney mentioned, like, the family vibe. Like, he definitely seems like just that guy that didn't pick that get that memo until, like, later down where he's like, oh, yeah, family. You clearly do not have siblings. Like, my fucking sisters and I hate each other. I'm, I'm, the, oldest, I'm the oldest of two. I'm the oldest of two. But like, is... over time, him and we all we all mellow out eventually. Like, we're still, like, dicks. Yeah, at the end of the movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, like, this is our sequel at this point. We're cool. <laughs> we still meet you. But, like, the thing that it's like... I don't know. No, no, I get what you're saying. Like, honestly, I do get what you're saying. I think just what it is, it might be just some bitter bias from the first movie, and it's hard for me to shake it off. I do think he's... I will I will disagree with JJ on this. I think he's better in this one than he was in the first one. Just because I think that dy- the dynamic he had with Yondu was a lot stronger. Mm-hmm. So it did hit me a little bit better. And I just really did... Honestly, him taking that father or the big brother figure to Groot, I think that's when, like, I started at least tolerating him a little bit more because it was nice seeing that front. 
But still, his type of humor, I think it's just the type that just gets overdone more than anything else. That's fair. And I think that's just a big thing. It's like, I can handle that humor fine. But with him, it always seems like with Rocket, it's so dragged out longer than what it should be. But that's just me. Yeah, I, I can totally see it. I think that Rocket's an acquired taste, I guess I would say. Um, well, Bradley Cooper, though. I mean, yeah, Bradley Cooper's great. But I'm not yeah. against him. Yeah. All right. I think let's talk about this other controversial character here with the, I guess, in-your-face humor that I think they hit hit everyone over the head with a hammer. Like, it just... Right. Dave Bautista's Drax. I really... I get... Like, I didn't used to see it, I guess, like, first seeing it. I guess I... Again, I kind of just, like, once I like something, it kind of zero in and kind of ignore the flaws. And now that I can kind of sit back and see the flaws, Drax is such a flaw in this movie because it's, like, he's just a dick 90% of the movie, especially to Mantis. He's just, like... And I'm not a big Mantis fan as it is, but I will get to that. But it it's just kind of like... He's just, like, calling her ugly the entire movie and just being, like, you're too weak to do anything and just, like, constantly making jokes at her expense. And then, you know, it just... You get a couple scenes of him, like, explaining why he doesn't like dancing or, like, okay, well, these scenes with, like, his wife and daughter, but, like... They're very small scenes compared to what you get the majority of the time, which is just him being an allowed, obnoxious ass throughout the entire movie. So I totally understand Drax being unlikable in this movie because he is. Um, so that's I guess that's my piece on Drax. So I could forgive some of it if not for the awful fake laughter. Yeah. Um, Drax is the worst part of this movie. The mm-hmm. humor is overdone. They took the um, the likable, for some people, likable aspect of Drax from the first movie, and they mm-hmm. dialed it to 20. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's all they honed in on in this movie. The His relationship with Mantis was awful. Like, yeah. I get that it's supposed to be funny, that he's awkward and doesn't know how to do this social interaction, and neither does Mantis. Right. But <coughs> then he just goes and insults her the whole time, and that's yeah. not funny. Yeah. It's, it gets Actually, old. Yep. So. Max is not good in this movie. Yeah. Kearney? Uh, I mean, I'm not going to, like, fully dispute that or anything. Like, that shit did get old fast. But I didn't hate him being in this movie. I still think he's part of the crew. And there were a couple times that made me laugh. But, like, yeah, a lot of those were eye rolls. I really like the, the two jokes that stuck out to me. And part of it's because I'm very immature. But yeah. When he's talking about, like, like the story about his parents fucking, and he goes, like, dude, stop, and he's like, why? It's beautiful. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it, it, we have, like, a weird stigma around that in our culture, but it would make sense for, like, another culture to be like, this is how yeah. they made you. Like, this is a beautiful story. Yeah. So I thought that was fun, and then, I don't know, the first joke where, like, Mantis reads Quill, and he's, she's like, oh, he wants to fuck you. And Max is like, that, that one response from Max is like, perfect for me and if they just did that once it would be you know i wouldn't have an issue with it in the movie but yeah shit got old but i didn't mind him being there yeah um well i'll let you go and then i guess i had something else uh so i mean drax was a bummer for me because i really i I liked him in guardians one 
I really yeah. like Dave Batista. But it really just feels like Marvel really took this trope, well, big muscle dude, make him the dumbass. Yeah. And the, what bothered me the most about the whole thing with Mantis was you can make him awkward, but are we really just about to throw out the window that this man had a wife and, like, daughter? Like, so he knows, unless their culture, because we don't know because they never even go into, like, Drax culture other than they take everything literal. Right. You got to tell me that this motherfucker is never, like, never, like, actually know what the feeling of love is. We know he knows how to love because he talks about it. Like, the whole motive... Guardians of Illness is going for his wife and daughter. Well, he knows how to be caring and compassionate. Now, if they wanted to actually dive into, I don't know, some character development and be like, hey, he's having some trauma about losing one loved one. He doesn't want to get into another thing. That's why he's playing up this card. Cool. That's character development. But no, we're just going to make him the big, muscly meathead who's awkward as hell and comes off really toxic. Yeah. Like, it's funny in some ways but then after a while it kind of is a little disturbing like it's almost like yo if like an actual human like if you encountered somebody talking about this to somebody in a real world scenario i don't care how socially awkward you are you would not let somebody talk to anybody like that. right like, exactly like right but you also probably wouldn't be talking to like a crazy testosterone filled dude from a warrior culture like i don't know no, I get it, but like I get yeah. what you're saying. But like, I'm t- in terms of just like how it sits, right? Like, because like at the end of the day, we're like sitting and listening to this dialogue. It, I'd be lying right and saying like I'm hearing some of this shit. And I'm just like, this is really fucking weird. They're like, what kind of movie is this becoming? Yeah. yeah. At one point, like it was like what you're saying. There's like some points where it's like humor because you know, okay, it's that immature humor, and you're like, all right, I can laugh at this. But then when they keep going with it, you're just like, all right, can we move on now? Like we get it. He's he's bad at this. Yeah, we're getting yeah. But I, I don't I don't hate Drax. Drax is still this lovable idiot that you always have a place in my heart because I like I liked him in the first one. Can't say I hate him, but it's just more disappointing with the way that they kind of just put him off to the side and treated him. Yeah, yeah I can get behind that. Yeah. Agreed. He is him and Mantis are my least favorite parts of this movie for sure. Um, if I had to pick least favorite parts um i the thing i was gonna say is like the couple jokes that are actually funny like what the two kearney mentioned i think the funniest part is quill's reaction to drax it's more like it i I, so accurate yeah i just like respond in that situation i just like chris pratt's delivery in that it's so good like the or the part when Drax is just being an idiot and just, like, denying the way, like, what these batteries are, and he's just like, oh, they're called Harbillary batteries, and Quill's like, no, they're not! <laughs> and, like, I, I honestly just love that delivery, and that's kind of what sells that joke for me more than Drax actually saying it, because that part I don't necessarily care about. Um... Okay, and then I guess we'll just... We mentioned her, so Mantis, she is my least favorite hero in the entire MCU. I, I don't know. It just... To me, I it's not like the actress is bad, Pom Clementef. Like, it, it's not like she did bad. It's just... And I understand what they're going for, and she would only be able to fit in the Guardians. Like, it makes sense why she's in with them. It's just the fact that... She's literally getting basically bullied this entire movie, and she's just not that bright, to be honest. So she just literally just... I don't know. And it's just like, I don't know, I just never feel like a situation where Mantis is particularly useful, and then, like, the parts where she's, like, 
kind of useful. It's just like that doesn't really end up mattering ever, to, to be honest. Well, she so. saved the crew at the end, but I feel like her whole purpose in the movie was to be the person who saves the crew at the end. Yeah. So it's like why? Yeah. So just yeah. to me, I she's the most useless of the MCU heroes to me. I if I could get rid of one hero in the MCU, she would be it. So. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I thought JJ and I were going to be the cold ones. <laughs> um, I I liked Mantis for what Drax should have been. I'm not saying I liked her, like, liked her, liked her, but... Um, <laughs> Why don't you marry her then, bro? <laughs> and then, uh, the never having been in a social situation beyond being on Ego's planet, mm-hmm. I felt like the way that they thrust her into these social act, uh, interactions made sense for the way that she responded. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what Drax could have been. Like, he could have responded to things in a way where he just doesn't know how to do it. But instead, he, like, he takes this really aggressive role, and she's just, like, trying to smile right and can't do it. Um, she has nothing to say about Drax. Drax trash-talking her, which it, it does get a little bit old, but I like that. Um, I think she's more powerful than we get to see yeah because she is able to put ego to sleep yes celestial when he's like fully raging and then later in thanos but she gets underused um she's a weird addition she's really weird to include yeah and that's kind of why i just find her useless i guess they just never use her enough for me to really like her presence in the mcu so i also i want to throw out like um, she says, I've never had, like, a real chance at social interaction. That's why I'm super awkward. I'm like, you you were around Ego the whole time. Like, I don't understand that. If it was just me and my dad on a fucking island, like, I would be able to talk to him pretty normally. Mm-hmm. Probably be shy around new people, but I could... I, don't know, I think that was a lame excuse to have her be just awkward as shit for a bad joke. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> Will, you have anything on Mantis? Uh, she just literally felt like a character they brought out to be, like, this weird tool. Mm-hmm. Like, her powers are unique and awkward in the sense of, oh, I don't really know when this is going to come in handy, but, oh, here's this moment where this is actually going to come in handy. Like, all right, putting ego to sleep. That's That's, like, some mental manipulation. That's really cool. Like, it just made me, like, going, oh, damn, this chick is actually like something like good thing she's just this cinnamon roll because if she had a mean bone in her body what could else she could she do yeah yeah but then like then they treat her as this weird like i feel like it would have been better if she actually would have been the opposite of drax in the sense of like she was this very intelligent person i mean yeah in the fact she got the capability of manipulating a person's you know mind and emotions I think it would have been cool that way, but for the way they present her, it just this it's like she's like this weird like plot switch that they can use. Like like uh Kearney mentioned it. She was a character they brought in to save the crew's life at the end of the movie. That was like ultimately the end goal of her. And that's what she did. So then like from there on it's like, well now what are we gonna do with her? I guess I guess she's we have like this- in other movies and I like honestly can't even remember what she does in any of them. Her next big thing is the thing with Thanos when she's on top of the Right, in Infinity War, right. And then you're just sitting there like, 
I mean, she put a celestial to sleep, and then you know, yeah, Thanos like resisting, and then you see, like, then all of a sudden, like, her powers are just like almost limited, right? Know, but then again, like, ego was raging, and night night, dude, right? It's weird. So, I mean, that's why I think she was awkward. She was a character they put in there that I think for that could be useful, but then eventually, in the grand scheme of things, she just got outpaced because they didn't know what else to do with her, mm-hmm. right? But, I, I mean, she had a cute cinnamon roll vibe to her. I mean, I, I can't hate her. Like, I just see her, I'm like, oh, you poor thing. Yeah. I'm sure they could put you out of your misery and take you out of this fucking franchise. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, fair. Don't worry, the bad people won't hurt you. We'll... <laughs> and I'll be... Batman. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... He, he needs some mental help. Go help him. Oh, yeah. Alright, well let's, um, then of course we've got Vin Diesel as Baby Groot in this movie. I have said that I liked Adult Groot more in the first one, but I don't think Baby Groot's bad. Baby Groot's still adorable. I mean, the opening scene of him, uh, dancing to Mr. Blue Sky is great. Um, I also love the scene with him bringing back the random objects to Yondu and Rocket, and the severed toe, and just like, you have, do you have a fridge full of severed human toes? <laughs> it's like, let's just agree never to talk about this. I thought that was great. Or, like, the hat. Like, uh, he doesn't want to wear it as a hat. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. There was just scenes like that that were still good. Or, like, welcome to the frickin' Guardians of the Galaxy. Except, uh, we didn't, we didn't, he didn't use frickin' and we gotta have real talk about your language. Like... I, I don't know. I, I liked... I like Baby Groot. Um, I just prefer Adult Groot, I guess, on the first one. But I guess what are your guys' thoughts on Baby Groot? I, I like Baby Groot. Um, I think he's cute. Mm-hmm. Um, none of it feels overdone to me. Right. Uh, and, like, for a character that doesn't ever talk, I sure get a lot of personality out of it. That's true. Agreed. Kearney? Um, I don't know. I didn't expect it to suddenly be adult Groot again, but I thought the adult Groot was better. And they're kind of milking, like, the cutesy aspect of baby Groot. Yeah. Can't deny that that motherfucker is, like, less... <laughs> slip them all up, you know what I'm saying? Um, but... <laughs> all yeah. right. If you, if you don't like Groot, you're an asshole. Yeah, right. that that's true. Groot is the Everybody most wholesome. Groot is the most wholesome character in the MCU. I think we can agree on that. All right, well... That, that joke you were talking about where he's bringing stuff back to um, Yondu, like, I didn't think that was funny at all. I was like, this is going on too long. Until he brought the toe back, and I was like, yo. <laughs> the the toe <laughs> is probably early. the funniest part, but... Um, all right, well... I will protect baby Groot with my life. That is... <laughs> I, I call Mantis a little cinnamon roll. No, they... <laughs> Baby Groot is the cinnamon bun, and he needs to be protected. Like, that dude is so adorable. He's my favorite, one of my favorite things in the movie. Just awesome. I, I love the part where he's just, like, running at the guys, and he's just like, ah. Oh, yeah, that's so good. <laughs> so adorable. Protect Baby Groot at all costs. Yeah. Yeah, brother. It was sad watching him get tortured, but then, like, by the, by the Raptors. I wanted to fight. <laughs> it's like, you let him go. Yeah, well, and and luckily, yeah, like when he when he screams and like it, that was the guy that was like pouring beer all over him. So then he gets his revenge. So it's really great. Um, 
Okay, so then we've got... Let's talk Karen Gillan as Nebula. I really like Nebula's arc in this. She went from generic villain in the first one, or side villain, to Ronan, to... She actually gets development. We get, we get like, the lines from her about, you know, Thanos pulling uh, piece pieces of her body from her every time she lost a fight to Gamora. Um, and then her just wanting to have Gamora as a sister and like, just, she feels like she needs to prove herself in a fight to get that Gamora being her sister. Um, so I, I really like Nebula in this. I thought, I thought she was great. Completely agree. Nebula was one of the best parts of this movie, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, her character arc was not what I expected. Mm-hmm. based on the character that I got in the first Guardians, mm-hmm. but I very much liked it. Mm-hmm. Kearney? Um, yeah, I really thought uh, words are hard. <laughs> it is a great arc, and it's pretty cool to see that she came full circle in the later movies, especially uh, oh, yeah. in this one, too, I guess. But, like, um, and also the fact that, like, even in this movie, after Gamora saves her life, she still, like, tries to blow her up. Like, she never stops just trying to brutally murder Gamora. Yeah. But, um, as a character, she, she drives me fucking crazy. She's so obnoxious in the way she talks, I can't stand it. Like, y'all think Drax is annoying? Her, every word that comes out of her mouth is, like, cringe. Damn. <laughs> I get it in theory, but I'm like, oh my gosh, shut up, dude. Oh, man. You should have taken your tongue out, like... Oh my god, Nebula, hey, didn't expect it. Yeah. Alright, well. <laughs> I mean, Nebula in this one was kind of... It was cool. I mean, it was a pleasant little surprise. Well, I'm not gonna... It, it definitely wasn't my favorite thing out of this whole movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I don't know, see her try to go down a little redemption arc... But then you clearly see this isn't the movie for it, like, because, like, Kearney said, still, try to kill Gamora. So, I mean, it's not really, it, it's more so just, it's just planting the seeds of what's to come later, really, that there's something potentially there. Yeah. But, I don't know. Nebula, like, Nebula is Nebula. Can't really say much otherwise. Yeah. I mean, I think we're going to get her full best character arc in Endgame, for sure. Like, I think that's her best, like, um, appearance in the MCU so far. Um, but uh, we'll get to that uh, in a later podcast. Um, all right, and then let's talk Michael Rooker as Yondu. I, re- I love Yondu's character arc. Um, I don't know if, you know, that's maybe a little controversial, but I think his character arc is amazing in this movie, how, you know, we didn't get as much of him in the first one other than him. You know, we got this strange relationship between him and Quill, but then we find out, um, you know, more about his character and his relationship with Quill, and I think it worked really well, and you get this redemption arc of being, you know, his own Ravagers turn against him, and then he develops this bond with Rocket, and then at the end you find out, like, he's just been this father figure to Peter this entire time, and it culminates in his sacrifice at the end, which I really think it's one of the... I'm gonna say, I think it's one of the saddest deaths in the MCU, not the saddest. I mean, I think Tony Stark's is probably the saddest, (laughs) but, um... I, I really like that sacrifice in that moment. Um, of course, we have to mention um, Mary Poppins, y'all, is one of the best lines of this movie. Um, 
and also the the scene with uh, him and Rocket like destroying the entire Ravager ship with the Yaka arrow and just that yeah. was amazing. Um, so and just that sacrifice scene of of you know uh, he may have been your father boy but he wasn't your daddy. Um, and uh, that scene is just That's great. You're a joke in the movie. Yeah. So I mean, and yeah, the sacrifice was great. Um, I I want to bring up the Ravager funeral, but I'm going to do that in the positives once we get to the actual ranking as something that I really really loved. But um, yeah, no, I just I really like Yondu in this movie. So. All right, uh, Kearney. Yeah, I really like Yondu for pretty much all the reasons you brought up. Like that scene where he's with the robot hooker in the beginning. Oh, yeah. Really sad. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man. Oh, for sure. That... <laughs> Someone's um, been spending a little too much time in the club. Yeah. All right. Well, JJ's gone for the moment, but hopefully he'll be back. Um, he said his Wi-Fi went out. Mm. Um, so, okay. Well, what what are your thoughts on Yondu? Um, I, I don't hate Yondu. I'm not, he's not one of my favorites, but I'm, honestly, it was a nice little story for him in this. Uh, the Mary Poppins line definitely got me chuckling, but it was also, it was a nice, it, it put a big smile on my face. It was a nice little reference. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely was actually a big fan of how, like, the meaning behind his little goofy quote, you know, about him telling, you know, uh, Quill about who his real, you know, sense father was. Mm-hmm. I really do like the meaning. It was like the most most impactful way Yandu could probably deliver a line. Yeah. In his in Yandu's way. Uh it was badass watching him kill all those dudes with the arrow. I can't even lie. That is definitely still a cool little trick he has. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I, I I don't I don't hate Yandu. Like, there's things that I like in this... There's things that I enjoy in this movie. They're, like, positive aspects. It's just... Just the whole atmosphere around, I feel like, suffocates it too much. Like, and I think Yondu, for as a goofy character he is, he's also one that you could easily do seriously, too. Yeah. yeah. He had his moments where he showed that side of him, and it, it's, it just made me want him more. And then, obviously, his death was just, like... I think what bummed me out about it was I was just like, dang, you know... Here we've seen, like, a glimpse of, like, a really interesting character to have along with the Guardians. Right. I honestly... I would... If we could have, like, kept Yondu, I would not care anything about Nebula joining later on. Right. I'd rather have Yondu join them, tag along, than anything Nebula wanted to tag along. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. but then when they killed it, I, like when they killed him, I was more upset for the mere fact I felt robbed. I was like, well, thanks, you know. That's fair. I'm like, I'm like damn, okay. <laughs> I don't, I don't see, I don't see what a big significance of him dying is gonna have. Okay, you're trying to pull some heartstrings. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't see how his death was adding to anything, and it didn't really. I don't think emotionally it did anything for the team or Quill. I, mean, I it, in a way it did, but like not nothing significant that you see later on in the movies, anyways. Yeah, I think I think it could have been maybe mentioned more. Like I I mean, Infinity War and Endgame are already so packed, but like it would have been nice, I guess, to have like a reference to it again in Infinity War. But 
to Yondu's death because it should have been more impactful than it was, maybe. But I guess there just hasn't been too many deaths in the MCU to feel sad about, so it's kind of like, you know, we haven't had too many, like, major characters completely die off for good, you know? Mm. Um, you I know. was kind of impressed that I cared as much as I did when he died. Yeah. It's like, it did pull my heartstrings, thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, I... Yeah, I'm not saying, deep, like, because, like, I know, like, I know Baruchi's a big fan of him. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's, like, those that, like, really do like Yandu, I could see how, but, like, when I was saying, like, the pull on the heartstrings, I meant, so, like, how is this death going to change the way the team functions, or how Quill le- leads, or something yeah. like that. Right. But then, like, I one of my biggest gripes on just what the Marvel Universe does in general, I personally think that they've ruined, or they, they suffocated Quill as a character too much by making him too much of a goofball. Like, he is... A really good, competent leader. Yes. And they don't give him a lot of opportunities to show it. And I was hoping, oh, Death of Yandu, is this going to be the thing that kind of, in a sense, matures Quill even more? Then you get to the later movies and it's just the way they use him. He's still just the over top comic relief. Yeah, that's my and big scrape. Like, I'll damn, talk. Like, he actually could be used better. <laughs> yeah, I, I can agree. I mean, I think he has some great one-liners in Infinity War, but I wish that, as Star-Lord is my favorite character, I really wish he was... I'll talk about it in the Infinity War podcast, but I really do wish he was used better and that he wasn't just, like, left out to dry at the end of Infinity War and when he comes back in Endgame. Like, it just really... That hurts me because he should be a much more likable character and... You know, he just gets shit on now, unfortunately, because of what happens. Yeah. So. Yeah. I can um, see wanting him to be used more. Like, I I agree. I also really like Star-Lord. But I, I still think he's the right amount of goofball. Like, he's... I got nothing uh, against goofballness, especially given the fact that it's within his family. Like, amongst mm-hmm. the universe and, like, you know, the Guardians and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think there's just... I, I just think what it is though is just they play even amongst like like the way I guess it was just also the way Rocket was still interacting with them too for a lot of it it was just like at this point you should recognize like Quill is clever like, he showed it in the first Guardians like a lot of his clever moments yeah he had his moments in this one I just was hoping that with every big you know trauma and like hurdle he was overcoming he would add it under his belt and like you would see it in different ways. Yeah. But still, you know, you can stay true to the goofballness, you know, but I think they just kind of downgrade him later on. Yeah. And I, my only other thing, I'll say this in the infinity war podcast, but I think that I'm, I will defend a little bit of why he hits Thanos and just like what he's been through up to that point. Um, especially with what happens with Gamora and that in Infinity War, but I just wish that they would have redeemed him after they made that choice and they didn't, and because they didn't have time, unfortunately. So, but that that's for another podcast. Um, we need to move on. Uh, Sean Gunn as Craglin, James Gunn's brother. I mean, Craglin gets some really fun moments in this. Just um, I. Uh, and it, and he is also the onset model for Rocket, so I mean, like they put C, Ro, CGI Rocket on top of Sean Gunn, like that. 
that's a cool fact uh, for you guys there. Um, I, I mean, Craglin, it's cool to just see Yandu's right-hand man get a little more time and, you know, that he now has Yandu's arrow. Um, we're going to talk about that with a post credit scene, but Craglin's just all right for the little time he gets, so... I enjoyed him. I spent a lot of the movie wondering if he was the drummer for Mastodon. <laughs> he was not. He's not the drummer for Mastodon. So Oof. Unfortunate, but still cool. Yeah, I got nothing to add for him. Yeah, um, JJ just sent me stuff to read. Um, okay, I'll, uh, if, uh, if, okay. So, then, uh, I want to talk about uh, Sylvester Stallone. They got freaking Sylvester Stallone to be in the MCU. Like, it's just someone that I didn't think they would be able to get. Um, but Sylvester Stallone is Dakar Ogord or Starhawk. Um, I really liked the small moments he got, and we'll talk about that post credit scene, but I think Stallone is just great. Um, I, in the small parts he gets, I almost wish we get... I hope we do get more of him in Guardians 3, and I wish we got a little bit more of him here, because... This is like arguably one of the most famous actors that they pulled in at this like in this movie and you don't get as much of him as like you would want but mm -hmm. So yeah so the last time I saw this movie was in the theaters mm -hmm. and so when I was rewatching it I was like Sylvester Stallone's in this and I remember there being this like really funny joke with him that everyone laughed at and I couldn't remember what it was and when I watched the movie I realized the joke was that Sylvester Stallone is in a Marvel movie and that's why everyone laughed <laughs> Yeah yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, well, I thought it was a cool little cameo to get Sylvester Stallone, honestly. But yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I I liked it. I can't even lie; it was cool to just see him in it. Mm. Do I want to see him in more? If they do, if they get him, they get him. If not, you know, I'm just taking it as worth as what it was. It was just a cameo trip. That's if they true. Do something more with the character itself. Marvel's got that power to do it. Right. And they got a good way of spinning the story. Yeah, I think it, I think it was just a nice cameo, kind of expanded the whole little you know crew that Yondu was all about, you know, in that lifestyle. Just a little bit more world building, but they did it. They put some flair on it. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would hundred percent watch that spinoff, but I'm not going to hold my breath either. Yeah. Well, and I think it was coming to Disney Plus new series. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. Well, I think and Stallone was used. Stakara Gord was used to push Yondu's character arc along. That's his purpose in the movie. So, um, yeah. so. And I guess to be like a voice of how the Raiders function as like an organization. Or yeah, the Ravagers. Yeah. Really go into that in the first movie. Oh, the for Ravagers. sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then I did want to mention. I don't really want to spend too much time, but I mean the Sovereign are in this movie. I. Uh, JJ said that they are were a wasted plot device. I'm going to agree. I didn't really like the Sovereign in this movie, Queen Aisha. And we're going to talk about that post credit scene, what they're teasing. But, like, it, it they're kind of wasted antagonists, and that's kind of the reason why we didn't want to rank them, is just they were going to go low if we did rank them. And, you know, the stupid arcade machines, like, I don't know. I get that they were trying to go with, like, that 80s aesthetic, but, like, I don't know. It was just, like... I don't know. I didn't really care for them in this movie, I will agree, so. Yeah, no. I hate their fucking pompous bullshit. But they were really effective at making me hate that aspect of them, which is what they wanted, so hey. Right. 
Yeah. Well. Like, it was an odd. I agree with you guys. It was just really odd. Mm. Just like, you kind of just sit there because, like, what Kearney says, like, on the one hand, yeah, they want you to hate them. All right, mission accomplished, but at what cost? Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Um, And then Taserface, a terrible villain, also. Um, I. Great makeup. Yeah, great makeup. We will say that, but it just he was literally a joke that that the characters themselves laughed at and just again, I not much else to say there. Um Rocket shit shit talks him, but that's, you know, mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah, if I had laughed as hard as Rocket had, like it would not have been a waste, but such was not the case. That was the that was the joke I rolled my eyes at the most in this movie. Yeah. Believe it or not. Yeah, so, Will, you have anything else to say on that? No, I really don't. Yeah, so, wasted wasted antagonists there, but, um... Oh, and we should talk... I think we're gonna talk about Ego in our rankings, but Kurt Russell, another great actor that they got, and I really like that they found someone that fit who could be Peter Quill or Chris Pratt's father. Like, they really found someone that could fit with him and have that charisma... And, like, at the beginning to, like, show that. I I really like Kurt Russell as Ego. I think it was a great casting choice. So, you guys have anything to say about that? Or do you want to cover that in your rankings? I have a bit to say about that. I'll let Will go first if he wants to, though. Yeah. Kurt Russell is my favorite thing about this movie. And Ego. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. This is, like, legit uh, a case where... The villain is my favorite part of the movie, mm-hmm. and I wish the movie was better around it to do a better job for the villain. Yeah. I really enjoy Ego. I love his presence. Kurt Russell does a great job presenting this. I think even at the end, it's like like, like when he's revealing, like, you know, he was responsible for, you know, Quill's mother's death. It's like such, like, and a lot of people will, like, say, I think JJ mentioned something like about this, like, when I was reading his thing. But, like, yeah about, like, poor timing of things. Like, he thought he had Quill. It's just, like I, like, I get it, but it's also just, like, such a power move, and, like, because he's just yeah. so, like, he's got so much power. He's just, like, he's a flipping celestial, you know? Like, right. At this point, you know, I just love Ego. Everything about Ego, his presence, every time Kurt Russell was on the screen, that's what I wanted to see in this. And his dynamic with uh, Chris Pratt, when they were talking together, like you were saying... Honestly, that was the best part about Guardians 2. And that was the thing that I always, when when I was going through the rewatch, that was what I was trying to get through and I was trying to enjoy the most. But just everything around it was just so tedious and annoying to me. It made it almost unbearable. But anytime he was on the screen, like, I was having a good time. Yeah. Kearney, you wanted to go and say your piece on Ego? Yeah, I'm a big fan of Angry Dad Planet. <laughs> We said back then and we did think it was funny um yeah like as well was saying he's so arrogant to think that his like entire purpose is to consume everything and make it part of him that of course he could think he would just say to his kid like yeah i killed your mom but it's cool because we're gonna rule the galaxy together yeah um i really love that part the scene where he's talking about like how he came to be yeah i love that just the con that whole concept of like i was a little speck of dust that manipulated other specks of dust and over like an inconceivable amount of time built myself like that's awesome yeah Uh, there's also like there's a scene that 
a lot of movies have kind of done that I really like. Um, and it's the scene where in the seemingly perfect um, city or civilization, they find the, the, the fucking creepy thing under the bed, which is that huge pile of bones. And when I saw that, right. I was like, ooh, yeah, I like that. I love shit like that. Yeah. Anytime in a movie where the villain kills children, people love that, apparently. <laughs> like, Yo, I, I, I didn't even think... I just assumed that was, like, the life... Like, the previous life forms on that planet. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, he created the planet, but I didn't think about that then. But he was like, oh, those are my other kids that, like, couldn't post up. I'm like, damn, that's fucking... Yeah. Wow. That's a flex. Yeah. yeah. I was trying cool to... Thing, and it does a lot to... They characterize Star Lord like they hinted that in the last movie, like that right. he wasn't quite human. But just to be like, Yeah, you're the only one, you're the strongest baby I made out of all the babies I made, which was a lot, judging by the pile of bones. Yeah. Agreed. And like I was gonna say I was trying to reference like Darth Vader killing young lanes as well. That's why I was like, they people love when when kids get murdered <laughs> by the villain. Um not really, that's joke. Um <laughs> Okay. That's my favorite part. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I just, yeah. I mean, like, the that scene with the visuals of him explaining how he came to be, like Kearney said, it's really, really cool. Um, a really cool piece of exposition, the way they tell that. And you really have to do that much exposition because people are going to be confused by a celestial. This is, like, this is something that Marvel's trying. Like, they're trying to go cosmic. And so, you know, it was a really cool way of doing it. So... I'm glad that they went that route. Okay, so with all the characters out of the way, I did just want to mention the soundtrack's awesome. Um, I, yes. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, um, I, think I like it better than the last one, personally. Ooh, yeah, it's tough. It's, yeah. it's right there. They go... I like both. I mean, I, I don't necessarily yeah, want to pick one over the cool. other. Yeah. They both have their own style for those movies, two movies, and so... And we're going to get a little more Guardians music in Infinity War and Endgame with them coming in as well, so... Um, yeah. But, yeah, so... I just... Um, I want to throw out, like... I was huge into Electric Light Orchestra when this movie came out, and so seeing it open like that totally sold the movie for me. And so that song and The Chain are the two that, like, I would put above any other song they played in any of these movies. Those and two that, are great songs, so I, yeah. I agree. Um... Lakeshore Drive's also pretty good. Um, I don't know. I, I like, uh, yeah, this, the songs were great. Um, so, okay. So then let's get to our Stanley cameo. I think JJ, unfortunately, can't get his Wi-Fi working, so I'll ju- we'll just press on without him. But I got his rankings and everything. So Stanley cameo, this is awesome. It, it uh, gives us wh- how Stanley's cameos are a part of the MCU. Uh, he is the Watcher Informant. He goes and informs the Watchers of everything happening. Stanley's watching everything. And I just love that, you know, they show the Watchers. I love that they are actually making Stanley, like, a part of this universe and that his cameos mean something. Um, so this is one of my favorite Stanley cameos. So, you guys have anything to say on this one? or? I like the existential nightmare of him being abandoned in space. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that in the, the post-credit follow-up as well. Will, you got anything else to say on this? Yeah, it was definitely the most meta, like, cameo he has. Which, But it's, like, one that you 
everybody was expecting Chris Stanley anyways. Like, there's no better place to put him if that's the route they want to go, and it's rightfully so. I loved it, honestly. It is definitely probably, I'm with you, it's one of my favorites, to just for just... Not only was it cool and, like, with the fucking uh, getting lost in space or stranded in space, that made me laugh so hard, but, uh... <laughs> I don't want to think about it. It's fucking creepy, dude. Yeah. Um... The man. For sure. All right, we have five post-credits, the most in any MCU movie. <laughs> so, buckle in. Um... Number one, we've got Kraglin using Yondu's arrow, accidentally stabbing Drax. Honestly, that's kind of funny just be- <laughs> just because it's Drax, yeah, and good. Drax has been a jerk the entire movie, so it's kind of funny to watch him get hit, stabbed by an arrow. Right. Um, he like, backs out of the room and, like, just... Yeah. Like, it's so fun. Um, then we get Stallone's original team, uh, Starhawk's original team. That's apparently the original Guardians team from the comics. And so Stallone has, I don't know all like the names of his crew, but um, uh, the robot head, I believe that's actually called Mainframe. It's voiced by Miley Cyrus. Really? Yeah. So it's a Miley Cyrus cameo in the MCU. Um, and then I believe Michael Rosenbaum... I, I don't know what he's been in, but he voices, like, the guy that has, like, the Doctor Strange-type powers where he gives, like, the thumbs up, um, I believe. So that, that, that's, it's cool just to see, you know, that, that Stallone has his own, like, crew. Let's go steal some shit. <laughs> it's cool. God. Oh, no. Um, it's good. Um, third one, probably the most fun or the biggest thing that's they're teasing what's to come maybe in guardians 3 hopefully adam warlock is being teased uh the sovereign have created him it's huge um well if you want to i'm sure you know the most about this but like who exact or like what power set does adam warlock have i'm not too familiar with him to be honest Mm -hmm. the whole introduction with adam warlock it was a name when i first when i first saw it I was kind of excited because what it was, it was just another step in terms of, like, the direction we were going. And it got me really excited just because I think what it was with Adam Warlock, you know, being announced, I was, I think just what it was, it was a personal thing. I was just hoping that we were getting closer to maybe getting the Silver Surfer back. Ooh. So, like, any step that we had that we're diving farther and farther out into the cosmos... The more I'm just hoping, you know, we can somehow get the Silver Surfer and then eventually maybe Galactus, you know, back in the MCU universe. So that's like, that's why I'm personally excited for Adam Warlock. Not a big, you know, I'm not big in knowing much about Adam Warlock, but from what I do know, he's kind of a, he's a, he's a powerhouse to be reckoned with. Like, you know. Yeah. So. It's cool. I think the only thing is what it is, like, the main thing I'm excited, like I said, it's just, it's opening the door, and I'm just hoping for things. Yeah. Hopefully Guardians 3 will get Adam Warlock, so, um... There's a good chance, but with the way that the now Guardians 3 is looking, it's gonna be... Hey, who knows what's gonna happen? There's actually a good chance. Actually, no, that's got the best chance for him. Yeah. It, yeah, it would make sense for him to be there. Um, number four, we get Teenage Groot, a peek at Groot as a teenager for infinity war and him like taunting star Lord and like, 
uh, you're boring and I'm not boring and I don't know. It's it's just again Chris Pratt's delivery and response is always so good. So, um, yeah, it's just a fun little scene and now we see that Groot is growing back up. So. I want to know how much time passed between the end of the movie and that scene. So it seems like he was a baby for a long time. Yeah. Right. So apparently, I believe Guardians Two in the timeline it takes place soon after the first one because at the end of the first one you get Baby Groot in the pot and then you know he's a baby walking around in the second one and I think then like you know four years later so that credit scene fast forwards to right before Infinity War so I believe. Okay. That's how much time has passed. But, um, yeah, so, uh, and then number five, the Stanley follow-up, Left by the Watchers. Uh, guys, you were supposed to be my lift home. Oh, geez. It's so good. I, um, yeah, that's, that's what we have there. So we've already said our piece on that. Easter eggs real quick, and then we'll move on to our rankings and finish this big podcast off. Um, uh, Star-Lord's shirt. Uh, I actually have this shirt. I didn't wear the jacket for this podcast like I did for the first one we did with Harrison. Um, but uh, I have the shirt as well. Gear shift. That's what it translates to. And it's just kind of advertising like a fake like product in the galaxy. So that's just something cool there that they made for it. Um, you have Howard the Duck making a cameo. Seth Green as Howard the Duck. Once you've gone back, you or once you've gone duck, you can't go back. Um, Howard the Duck's going to make a cameo in Endgame as well in the final battle. So, yeah. Uh, any reactions to Howard the Duck? <laughs> he was there. <laughs> yeah, he was. Um, I'm surprised that Seth Green's the one voicing him, but, you know, hey, that's it. Yeah. It, yeah, it's crazy. Um, Ego's face on the planet is a cool touch. Uh, when Ego touches Star-Lord's forehead and, you know, you see Star-Lord's eyes turn to the cosmos, uh, and he says Eternity, that's a Marvel character, that's a cosmic being. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's cool. Um, James Gunn and Sean Gunn's, uh, their parents were the old couple that were uh, trying to take a picture of that big, like, blob that Ego made. Um they made a cameo. Um, Peter's grandpa from the beginning of the first one also cameos. He was in the car that after the blob stopped moving that he was in the car there. And he also makes a cameo in the credits dancing. Um, and then uh, also cameoing in the credits, we get the Grandmaster Jeff Goldblum is dancing in the credits, teasing Ragnarok more. Um, so that was cool. Um, the... Tommy's in this. I just want to throw that out. I have Ooh. no idea where, but I read it online. Hmm. Yeah. No, we'd have to look at that, maybe. Uh, I have, but I can't find it anywhere, but he's in this movie. Maybe he's a voice of something. He could be one of the voices of Stallone's crew or something. Um, I don't know. Um, and then, uh, Yondu's, uh, uh, when they play stuff, uh, on his, like, uh, funeral bed, uh, the blue frog from the first one that Yandu picked up from the shop um, from the merchant and then the troll doll that Quill um, tricked him with at the end of the first one is pla- they're placed there um, uh, Cosmo the spa- the Russian space dog appears in the credits too 
Um, David Hasselhoff makes the cameo. Uh, Quill talking about him, that he always wanted David Hasselhoff as a dad. And then you not only get David Hasselhoff, like, Ego temporarily, like, quickly turning into David Hasselhoff. Also, David Hasselhoff, at the end credits, like, when they have, like, the Son playing, like, the last Son, that's Guardians Inferno, and they made... David Hasselhoff worked with the cast, and James Gunn and the cast of Guardians to make a music video, and that's the music that you hear the last of the credits is Guardians Inferno, and that's sung by David Hasselhoff. Um, yeah, so, um, and then you get the Pac-Man reference, uh, Skeletor and Heather Locklear. <laughs> um, that was sick. Yeah, and then uh, the scene where Yondu crashes into Ego says, Hey, Jackass, that's a reference to Guardians 1 when he calls Ego a jackass uh, at the end of that one, referencing what's coming. So that's everything we have. That's a lot. Um, so let's move on to our villain rankings and, and movie rankings. Um, we know where everything sits, so I'm not going to re-say everything. Um, Ego, I'm giving him a 5.6. I think that um, his... Uh, I just think he's a really cool villain. Kurt Russell's performance sells me. Um, and just having a Celestial is really, really cool. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of, like, negatives. I'm sure they're there. Um, I don't know. It's just kind of like, I, I guess, you know, he gets very power-hungry and arrogant. Um, and that's really his downfall there. Um, I He was a really cool villain, obviously. I just think there's more better villains that we're still going to talk about here in the next several episodes that are better than ego, but ego's up there for sure. So. Right on. And I should read JJ's as well real quick. And then I'll put that down. Um, so JJ said, uh, only major downside to ego is his lack of tact. He said a lot of the wrong things to, P to Peter, uh, fantastic fight between the two though. I agree with that. And I love his motivations. Yeah. JJ gave him a 5.1. So. Alright. Uh, Kearney? I'd probably go like a 5. Am I echoing? Uh, you, I don't know. Alright, I can hear it. But anyway, yeah. I, I Like I said, I really liked him in this movie. We're going to ranking him lower than everybody else. But um, yeah, uh, that there's like too quick a descent into him being and revealing, like, his true intentions and his arrogance is kind of, like, hard to explain away to some extent. Yeah. Um, especially just being like, I put a fucking tumor in your mom's brain, and he just expects that to go over super well. Yeah. And he immediately snaps, and I can't believe you don't want to rule the galaxy with me. It's like, there should have been a little more padding there, considering this movie was almost two and a half hours long. Some of that time would have been better used for that. Right. But, yeah, I thought I, I already explained why I love the origin of this character and all that shit, so... Yeah. yeah, five. All right, yeah. Will? Yeah, I'm going to give him a five. Like I said, he's my favorite thing about this movie. Um, I hmm. wish the movie around him was better. Um, I agree. Quick, Too quick of descent. Okay, now, correct me if I'm wrong. Does he give a reason why he killed Quill's mom? I think he just was, like, arrogant in that point, believing he had Quill because of all, the, like, the work he had done uh, to manipulate him. I'm pretty sure that's why he just says it, but, I mean, that... I'm not saying he was talking about why he killed her. Oh. I don't know. I guess I don't know why he just killed Quill's mom. It bothered me the most because I'm just sitting here because it's, like... Like, why, of all things, it's, like... Like, it's, like, like for as much, like... 
as quickly as he just drops, I put the tumor in her. Yeah. And it's just like, well, you don't even give me a reason why you did. Right. It's just... Okay, can I interject here, please? Yeah. Okay, so what he says in this movie is, like, effectively, I was too in love with your mom, and she was distracting me from my main purpose. Okay, and yeah. And if I just stayed with her, I would have been wasting, like, however many years on it. He, he literally just killed her because he didn't want to get stuck, hung up on Earth any longer than he had been. He said, I went to Earth three times, and if I had put the two in her brain, I would never have left. I do remember oh, that now, okay. yeah. Okay, it's so not a verbatim. I fucked up that quote a bit, but it's something like that. No, now, so, now I remember, yeah. I remember, but, like, thank you. I'm glad you said it. Okay, so... There's a reason, so that that's a little bit more forgiving now in some aspects. Yeah. It's but not so, perfect. But it's not perfect, but it, at least it's better than just dropping the ball and not really giving anybody a reason why you just put a tumor in somebody. But yeah. like But like I agree, like what you guys Trini, like what you were saying. It was just so quick and nonchalantly. I maybe a bit more padding could have made the, you know, reveal of that better. And it could have like catapulted him even farther. Because I I thought he was charismatic. He, like I said, he was my favorite part. Always loved listening to him talk. Like him just explaining his existence was always interesting. You see how powerful he is. He's got a nice. He's got the right amount of ego that you would expect. <laughs> right. So he like, said the understandable. Like it's understandable how this guy is like cocky as hell. And I just I think if the movie around him was a little bit was. Just even just a little bit better, he could be up in the upper tier of powerhouse villains in terms of big time Marvel villains we could talk about. But there's just a couple. His descent was just he he was a character that they treated him as a he became a one note villain that didn't need to be a one note. I can agree I with that. That's well said. Yeah, I can agree with that. Actually, so I'm gonna give him a five though. I solid. I really solid though. Yeah, um, that gives him, from all four of us, that gives him a 5.18. He is officially second to Ultron right now. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So. Actually, you know what? Yeah, I can actually see that because I'm thinking about the movies to come. Yeah. Yeah. And it's w- good. when it's we good. get to the next few movies, obviously we're going to get a lot of big, bigger villains that are going to rank higher, I think. But for now, I think Ego being at this second yeah i, yeah, I can see that yeah but where's in this ranking if you know, we're gonna get to him next week oh yeah that did come out later yeah so no worries we will get to homecoming next week i'll tease it at the end um okay so uh then we'll get to guardians 2 and i wish jj was in the chat or in this uh to actually say his points and we could have this debate mm-hmm I'm going to give this movie a 5.2. It's at the top of my B tier. I think I recognize the flaws that we've talked about. And, you know, I used to have this a lot higher in my MCU rankings, but then I actually, you know, sat back and was like, okay, here are the flaws with it. I still really enjoy this movie. Um, and I really, Star-Lord's still my favorite character. Um, and I, I don't know, 5.2 just seems right to me. I think some of the character arcs are really good. Ego's good. Um, I understand the disappointment with some of it. Um, if I guess if you focus too much on like Drax and stuff, that you it might ruin the movie for you, which is fine. I guess I try not to pay too much attention to Drax, uh, even though it's hard not to. But five point two for me, it's it's solid. Um, 
but there's definite flaws with the film, so. Kearney? Okay, um, yeah, so I totally understand why you guys would have an issue with the movie, mm-hmm. but for me, the thing is, like, I really like the core cast of Guardians of the Galaxy. The first one, the first movie holds a special place in my heart, um, Agreed. partly because that was, like, not to get weirdly personal, that was the first date I ever went on, like, with anyone, so I always remember, like, that movie and being really into it. And um, really, these guys could be doing anything, and I would be there to watch. And this is definitely, for me, like a watch-when-you're-sad kind of movie. So is the first one, which I still think is better. But uh, the fact is, like, I really like this movie, even if I have issues with, like, the production and quality and the shitty humor sometimes. Mm-hmm. I would say, yeah, 5 point, I'll go 5.3. That's my that's my enjoyment of this movie, not right the objective quality. Yeah, I really like this movie. Um, probably not gonna watch it again for a while, but I do want to go back and watch the first one. Now. Yeah, oh for sure, and I, I think we should say that the, these rankings are gonna be based on our individual enjoyment of the movies and not necessarily. I mean, we do try to focus on some of the quality, but like if we enjoy them, then obviously they're gonna rank higher for us. Um, okay. And I did want to say... Like the upper half of my Marvel movies, then. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I have it in, like, sort of, like, kind of that section of, like, top half, bottom half, like, kind of in the middle there. Um, I I also want to say the Ravager funeral is one of the most beautiful scenes in the movie at the very end. Yeah. So. Dude, we barely even talked about, like, how... Just, like, the setting of these movies in general. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's not just that it's in space. It's they go to, like beautifully colorful locations like there's so much like, color and i love that about this movie i love uh the setting the characters the scope the fact that they're talking about infinite beings hanging out with right like a anthropomorphic raccoon and shit like i love all that shit yeah james gunn that. does a great job at some of this stuff so but i'll let will go and then i'll read jj's comments no uh, yeah i gotta you know people I see why people actually do enjoy the Guardians. I enjoyed Guardians 1. I think what Guard- the thing that just rubbed me the wrong way with Guardians 2 is it's just like this sequel effect. I always like to see some kind of growth in some degree. And I think when I had so many issues of... One, I said this a hundred times, like, I think they held back Quill. Mm-hmm. Gamora remained relatively the same. It wasn't that it was it was a bad. It was just I didn't see her really kind of jump up a lot more. I f- they reverted Drax in a way a, that I didn't like. Uh, Rocket felt you know literally the one with the mo- like other than who's literally having the most growth is Groot, and that's just because he's growing up again in some way. And, but and as much as that is a joke, it's the honest truth. But I do love the worlds like like the, like you guys said the visuals. It's beautiful. Like, I love the colors. Like, the color scheme that they have in the movie is always beautiful to look at. And the, the it's going to sound weird, the blues that you see in the movie. I, I, blue is my favorite color, and just the amount of different blues that they use, it's just always pleasing to see. Yeah. Um, Ego definitely bumps up my score. It makes, it's actually, the, Ego is the big reason why the, my score is what it is. But he's just one character. And if, like, I can YouTube clip, if I have to go, like, if if I go to YouTube just see clips of him rather than watching a whole movie, it kind of weighs on my vote. 
movie as a whole for me is a three five. Um, it's definitely better than Thor: Dark World. I'm not yeah. really going to try to say that it's in that same tier, <laughs> but like it's just. I think just what it is, it's like, it's a movie, in my personal opinion, I think it shoots itself in the foot Mm -hmm. a lot more than what it should. For, like, every chance that I think it's going to break out and do something really cool, the whole atmosphere itself just consumes itself. Like, it almost, it's, it's almost like Fortnite humor in no sense. This weird, goofy, over-the-top childish, like, humor and then it's like they for, it's they forgot like oh we have like characters that are going through some serious trauma or are eventually going to go through some drama we probably needed like you know get a little bit serious here like will turn into a joke Gamora eventually becomes the best among them all yeah just because later movies infinity war yeah yeah but like that's just my big gripe with the movie i'm going to stick with the 3 or 5 but it's a personal ranking everybody has their taste in movies that they enjoy yeah, I'm not gonna fault anybody for it, and it's their favorite movie. For sure, I I agree. Can I, can I throw one more thing out real quick. Yeah, to say earlier, um, I think we all agree that there's some like really trash humor in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and I guess what I'll say about that is like, as I totally get why that could weigh down the experience, but for me, it's like it never felt like the majority of the movie. There would just be like thirty seconds of a joke where I'm like, this is going on too long. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then I was just on to the next thing. So, like, every time a joke kind of rubbed me the wrong way, which did happen, like, at least five or six times, it was so brief in the grand scope of things that it didn't bother me. Totally get why it bothers you guys more than that, but that's it, I guess that that's why I have that opinion of the movie, I guess. When I, when I say, like, the humor, it's not necessarily that it's, like, jokes that drag on, because even in a comedy, not every joke is going to stick in any comedy movie. Mm-hmm. But it's more so, it's the sets up this, when you have repetitive jokes, you set up this comedic atmosphere. Mm. And sometimes, especially with the storyline that they were having, because let's be honest, like, like I think we all agree, like, Quill's storyline and the whole thing with Ego, if you were, like, to take jokes out, you could make that a very serious and, like, traumatic thing. Because, like, Agreed. you just finally found your father and just found out your father just killed your mother who you love to the end of time. Right. Like, that's, like, that would mess up anybody. Yeah. This man just, like, has to go through all that and then put his father down. Like, that's, like, such, like, this heavy waiting toll and such a big thing that could develop any character and catapult them to a whole nother level. But when you're surrounded by this, all this humor that you've just kind of thrown in because it's the Guardians, they're funny. It kind of, in a sense, kind of restricts a lot of other things, in my opinion. It's not, not whether about a joke's land or not, or if they're goal. It's just when you keep doing it, you kind of send mixed messages of what you wanted this movie to be about. And I understand that. I definitely Most understand. Said, yeah. Um, yeah. Again, I think we've said that there's definite flaws in this movie, um, for sure. But um, JJ said that overall the movie a lot of pro- has a lot of problems for me, particularly the humor. It w- just wasn't my thing. That being said, I love Kurt Russell's ego and I love the family dynamics. An okay movie in my opinion, but hard for me to watch a four. Um, and uh, he said the Sovereign seems like a largely wasted plot device. But that so he says a four. Um, so. Um, honestly, I was just a little worried coming into this that you guys were going to, like, try to put it down in your Dark World, and I was like, God, I hope this doesn't go lower than Dark World, 
But now that I know it's it's not going to, I'm happy with that because nothing compares to how bad Dark World was um, in the MCU. And Dark World's. I haven't seen it. <laughs> you can. All my me made like I could not put it that low. Yeah. Because <laughs> like there, like I said, there's a lot of things that I do enjoy about this movie. Dark World, there was just a lot of stuff that I didn't. Yeah, well, and I think the Dark World did had Loki and Thor's relationship. That's about it. That was good about it. And Thor actually being Thor. Yeah, that that I can agree with. Um, all right, just a sec. Let me do these calculations. All right, it is at a four point five. Um, so in the movie rankings, it is actually right under the first Guardians. So, I'd be right. fi- I'm fine with the two Guardians movies being right next to each other. I think that's a very fair ranking. You know, I know you think that the Guardian, the first Guardians was ranked pretty low anyway, so I mean, yeah, I think it's got a good little fit. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think that's about right. Because what's it right above? Um, It is right above Iron Man 3. So, Ooh. Yeah. I, I get the way the numbers are, but like that's interesting. Mm. Yeah. So right now the the top, uh, so it's like the first Iron Man, then it's Guardian, or no, then it's then it's Doctor Strange that we just ranked, then Guardians one, then Guardians two, and that's the top ten, right now. Damn. So, um, and I'll go over that again next week when we cover what we're covering next. Alright, so, next week, we will be doing Spider-Man Homecoming, we'll be covering Vulture, we'll be covering more Tom Holland, Peter Parker, we'll, we'll cover all that, and that's gonna be a lot of fun, it's a light-hearted movie, um, we'll discuss more Tom Holland's, uh, development alongside Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, and kind of discuss some things there, um, and we also got Thor Ragnarok as the double feature for that, so we will talk Thor and Hulk, We'll talk Jeff Goldblum as Grandmaster. We'll talk Hella. Hella's going to be ranked. Um, so that's going to be fun. We'll talk Carl Urban in the MCU, uh, the boys actor. So we'll talk him. Uh, we'll, you know, there's a lot that we'll be covering. And Valkyrie, of course. And, you know, we'll be, we'll be covering quite a bit next week with Homecoming and Ragnarok. So, um I don't, I don't know where they're going to rank. I will say fairly high. I, I'm sure they'll rank fairly high. Um, I still think um, probably Winter Soldier is going to remain as number one for at least a couple more weeks till at least like Black Panther, maybe, or Infinity War. Like, it'll probably be up there till then. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. So we'll, we'll talk about it. Um yeah, thanks, Kearney, for coming on, man. It was great to have you, especially for the Guardians 2 discussion. I know you didn't get to say much for Doctor Strange, obviously, but... Yeah, well, thanks for having me. It's been fun hanging out with you guys. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think at some point, like, we can definitely have you on again. I, you know, I can definitely give you the schedule of the movies or, like, you know, later in the year when we get to more of the Marvel TV shows later on. I, I haven't def- seen any of the fucking TV shows, so... Yeah. Probably not. Maybe if oh, maybe I'll watch something eventually. I don't know. Yeah. No, I mean it. I think the shows have been good. Um. Well, WandaVision was good. We'll see what Falcon the Winter Soldier holds. But Josh and Gabe and I are going to cover that as well. So that's also going to be coming up next week as the premiere of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. 
Um, and eventually that will go on the rankings once that's completely done. So if you ever want to do an episode on Phineas and Ferb Mission Marvel, I'll get in on that for sure. <laughs> I'd be in on that. Essay on that show. That that's a that's a good that's a good Phineas and Ferb episode. We can we can consider that um, maybe in between because I mean this will probably be my hope is to have this all caught up on the MCU by the end of April before Black Widow comes out and then I think there's still like a month of time between Black Widow and Loki so like fill in we'll have to fill in time there but yeah we'll figure that out um, but yeah so um, yeah next week. I've already said that, so we'll see you guys next time on Tribe of Nerds. Just remember.